The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Oh, that was a nice Napa pour this morning. No, no, no. That's that's a Sonoma pour. Oh. Dignified and elegant. By way of Howl Mountain, Mount Veter. Nice. Hey, Hey, welcome, everybody. But it had to go somewhere to get there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm John Myers with uh, Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey. Our guest today is Elton Sloan, president and CEO of Robert Craig Winer. He's one of the rock stars in the business. And so welcome, Elton. Thanks for my wife that all the time. Thanks for coming over. Does she listen? Hey, thanks very much for having me, you guys. I mean, I have to say that uh, in listening to your podcast, uh, you know, the winemakers, I have learned about so many wines. I thought I knew everything there was to uh, to know about small Sonoma producers. That's where I got my start in California with the Bunchu family that's been here forever. But oh, God, yes. you guys have had a, a really interesting cast of characters. So uh, I noticed a constant theme has been I'll never drink Napa Cabernet if I'm out of the town. <laughs> and so I'm like, F you guys, I need to come in and bang, bang the drum for uh, my side of the hill because uh, Napa does make interesting wines and I hope I'll, uh, I hope I'll sway some opinion. If See, Sam, I told you he'd take the bait. Right? I told you. <laughs> if it's less than $400. We do no, that. you know, at this point, based on the, if you just like track the wines, um, Cabernet is a minority grape in california less than seven percent of california's cabernet nobody ever talks about it and it gets no love because the only thing that matters is grenache according to the winemakers (laughs) podcast (laughs) so we figured you know well uh, it's january it's cabernet awareness month uh and what i don't know oh i'm making it up (laughs) cabernet needs love man it's falling behind (laughs) yeah and I, I've been waiting to ask this question all day, but I think I think John, you had you had some. Everyone's been calling you um, this week, asking you if you're still alive. My dad did the same thing from oh North gosh. Carolina, yeah. asking if we were still alive. I guess I don't know if they watch Good Morning America and what's going on um, in other parts of the country, but they think that we are all basically hanging on to a tree branch out here. Um, um, and 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 not to make light of it, some people are. Um, but but we're actually enjoying the rain, um, enjoying what it's bringing um, to to the to the vines and to California to and life, to our water table to and to our snow and um, all of those things. So um, and then I did see a guy out in the vineyard today. First time I saw a guy out in the vineyard. It looks like he was do, uh, positioning shoots or something. Yeah, I don't know. Ready to prune or pruning would be maybe a little okay. pre-pruning. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was the first time I'd actually seen someone out in the vineyard. Pretty much was this month. morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of cool. I, you know, we are... Um, and we're outside today. Yeah, we're outside. <laughs> There's actually almost blue, blue almost blue sky, this warm yellow orb. Patches. Blinding us in the what unusual thing. Uh, you know, we're definitely very much walking the line between... Um, the right amount of rain and too much rain and there's parts of the state that are hitting the too much uh but you know it's one of those things yes people have you know there's people have lost their lives and homes and cars and whatever and it's and it's 
tragic and terrible. That's more about climate change and our infrastructure than the fact that we're getting the rain that we need so desperately. Elton, so. how's it affecting your vines and the snow and the rain? Well, you know, we're in the mountains. Most of what we are, most of our planted acres are on the top of Howe Mountain. So we own the 22, we own the, okay. we own the uh, 22 acre uh, estate vineyard up there that Bob purchased with his partners back in 93. And then we bought Candlestick from Duckhorn in 2015, uh, which is, that's an additional 26 acres under vine on a hundred acres. And so we're right on the summit ridge on both of those properties. And so, you know, oh my God, no matter what we do, that water runs off. You go, you go through the vineyard and I'd like, I'd like to just at least have a little bit of mud on the floorboard of the car, you know, when I get in there without knocking my shoes off, but, um, it runs away pretty quick up there. So, uh, I always think for us, the water is a very good thing in particular after the fires. I mean, the fires of 2020, you know, we got a tiny amount of fruit in maybe, 10% of the entire crop because I was running the leaf water potentials way too high against the advice of, you know, Phil's buddy, uh, Pete Richmond. They're like, Elton, you gotta, you know, we the stress level is way too high. It's going to get hot. I'm like, let's just, let's just go where we are, you know? And, uh, as it turned out, we got a, we, I came out there and said, Holy shit, I've got it. The fruit is starting to desiccate. I got to bring this in. So we got a little bit of fruit in, in 2020, but all the stress from the, the drought and the, you know, and the fires and everything that went on uh, that year in 2021. I mean, we've averaged up there about 1.9 tons an acre over the last 10 years. And in 2021, we averaged 0.6 tons an acre, Whoa. you know, so and then how much did you do any and, better in 2022 and 2022, a little bit better, you know, but between all of the stress and the lack of water, and there was no way for a lot of the vines to recover from the, from the fire and then whatever whatever your pop's doing to me over there in the Mount Veter vineyard he keeps saying the fruit will come and I'm like you realize that we have to have grape bunches to make wine you know uh we, technicalities, right. so, technicalities. Yeah, right. um but uh but look at the view yeah, yeah so Sam, Sam's look at the invoice Sam's Sam's father Phil Couture is one of the great uh I think maybe the greatest farmer in the, all of the Mayakamas range and and he's just a pleasure to work with. So it's it's great to sit down with, you know, the progeny here today. And uh, <laughs> if if any of that comes through the genes half as much, um, you know, you'll know. But for us, the moisture has been wonderful. It's been the high winds that have come with it. You know, we get a good soaking in the wintertime. And what's different with climate change is, you know, you have the fires. And now uh, I was up there on Tuesday and it's just, you know, 58 mile per hour winds constantly, 70 mile per hour gusts. And so, you know, we have copper shingles on the roof up there to keep the roof lighter so we didn't have to have as many poles in the barrel room. And that means uh, it's like a meth head Easter egg hunt in our neighbor's vineyard every time the wind blows because <laughs> I love those <laughs> doing, doing a section of roof about the size of this table is 10 grand. You know, if you have to redo one of those, those copper shingles, I'm like, we're getting out there and we're finding that. copper. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, how, how's it looking for enterprise in the field? I mean, you know, like we were saying, this is maybe the first or second day of Delicious. 2023 that there's been actual field work going on. Um, you know, interestingly, as much rain as, m you know, many parts of the state have gotten, um, Sonoma Valley in particular is kind of on the low end of the scale of that. Uh, so, you know, we haven't had, you know, knock on wood, we still have another atmospheric river or two rolling through, but we haven't had 
much damage. You know, there's trees down. Um, you know, there's a little bits of er- erosion hotspots here and there. Uh, but you know, this is also, and as Elton Elton knows, as somebody who pays the invoices, <laughs> Enterprise Vineyards sets up erosion control. And you know, this is the standard that you have to follow now, but I've always set up erosion control as if every winter is going to be like this because you don't know when the 12 inch atmospheric river is going to hit and you have to be ready <laughs> or, to, you know, or mm, I won't even say. Right. Right. <laughs> um, yes. When it will take you from behind. Yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, it's, they're out there in the ocean spinning towards you. Um, so, from that standpoint, everything's holding up pretty good, and I think um, it only rains in Shellville, right? Yeah, exactly. that's where it rains. <laughs> it's it just all well, down you, in that one spot that closed the road. They, they had photos like online it. this morning of Shellville, and it's underwater. Wait, did did Kiebelstad have to close their? Because remember, we saw that they I, were going to be closed for like January, and I think and, that that was wise. Actually, thinking about this. Well, I thought I they fixed could, that when they. But you couldn't get there anyway. But di- but didn't they fix that when they fixed the fire station? No. No, I think the fire station is the high ground. Mm. I don't know. I, you know, right. it's it's there's a lot of water the, out there. The fire station actually moved to another fire station. Right, they're all out, they're of, out. They're because out. there's nowhere to go. Yeah. It's an it's an island. It's Kibblestad Island. Oh, I thought you meant it uh, floated away <laughs> to, another, <laughs> to another area. Floated upstream. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, to your point, Elton, of like the last three years being so stressful for the vines, part of that is, is they never really shut down. Right. There was never like real dormancy. And I think I was uh, going to say that, too. It's we've had a nice cold uh, right. winter. Yeah, that, that cold leading up to this, you know, month of rain that we've had, um, hopefully, and again, this is another, you know, knock on wood. Um, gives them a real chance to have true dormancy this winter and 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 come back store you know, some carbohydrates store some carbohydrates and be really raring to go uh, you know come bud break 23 so that's you know it's a pretty optimistic outlook despite you know what cnbc is putting out there and uh, you know california have you underwater. seen tablas creek they're completely flooded down well there's there. there's you know when it all comes they find the you find the weaknesses in the infrastructure. Uh, I think that's been highlighted a lot this week is, uh, yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, floodplains be floodplains. Right, right. Right. Exactly. And creeks are going to be creeks. And, um, it's called uh, Topless Creek. Exactly. (laughs) It's not Topless Mountain. (laughs) It's Topless Creek. Yeah. I, I think about all of, as I drove down from, uh, Howell Mountain on, on Tuesday, you know, there's so much standing water in the vineyards, down in Oak Knoll and in Rutherford in that area. And really as a mountain farmer, I mean, I get everything, you know, you get wind, you get bears can come in. If you get a, if you get a bear into the property, that's 50 gram worth of fruit in a couple hours. And, um, and, and so uh, I was just, to me in particular, because your family has always farmed organically at Enterprise Vineyards, and really kicked off our, you know, foray into organic on all the properties uh, that we do. The anytime you get that much water on the vines, it's a it's inviting pest pressure and disease into the, right. you know, into the vines. And so, uh, to me, 
you know, now every time, you know, when it rains in September, I'm, you know, people are like, oh, this is nice. I'm like, shit, that's another 45 grand, you know, because you gotta, you gotta do another, you know, you can't just, you can't just get Mm -hmm. that, you know, you can't just spray the cancer causing agent that works really well out over everything, you know, but it does need it's, you know, mildew is a constant, is a constant battle. And so I'm really happy to be in the mountains uh, when I see all that standing water, because for us, it's about long-term trunk health. Uh, for our vines because you know I think Lafitte they used to be 80 years and now they're taking the vines out at 70 years to do the replanting for the Grand Vin and uh, most of California is uh, you know it's like if you get to 25 years it's a lucky story and there's another big replanting going on now after everybody finished up you know getting the AXR1 out uh, for phylloxera now everybody knows okay this is how my rows should be oriented you know in order in order to keep the heat off the vines we're going back to california sprawl or having a really high you know wire the vertical shoot position with all the fruit in an exposed zone is all gone right you know um it, it's it's a fascinating change but this this weather for us if it weren't for the wind um you know which is just structural damage but in terms of the vines itself everybody's like you know are the fires good for the vines i'm like no, that no, the fires are not good for the vines. The ash is not doing anything for the soil, and uh, and this cold, wet weather um, is critical. Yeah, totally. God, it doesn't. He doesn't talk like he was a sales rep in Indiana, does he? I know. I, mean, can, I know. Because it, it's like, wow, where did this guy come? Because can can we go back a little bit? Because I've been waiting to ask this all day. Mm. Is how is it that we have John Cougar Mellencamp? to thank for having you here today now now first of all i would never ever say cougar around John, call me cougar and i'll kill you melon camp that would be the end but i got into wine when i was waiting tables Uh, i graduated in 1989 from indiana university which is a great school um in in the southern part of indiana where it's very beautiful we always say purdue where the men are men and the women are too. Uh, and, and Indiana was more of the liberal arts school and Purdue oh, was- Bloomington always, is a you know, great town. Nick's oh English hut for strong bullies, man. Right? Wow. Absolutely. Right? So, <laughs> hey, you can't go wrong at Nick's. You know, it's funny, the, the guy that was a grill jockey way back in the day now owns the place so I can still get in the back door uh, on homecoming weekend without, a, without waiting in that two block line. But when I was waiting tables, you know, I was doing uh, bartending and waiting tables in a little restaurant called Dinamans back in the day. And it was right next to John's house. And all of these great musicians would come in to play the Indiana uh, University, the IU Auditorium, which had tremendous acoustics. So the guys from REM, like Peter Buck and Michael Stipe and uh, Peter Frampton and Willie Nelson, all of these guys would come in because they wanted to go. John had a state-of-the-art recording studio at his house. And they wanted to go in there and record with Kenny Arnoff, his drummer, who could keep perfect time in a live recording. So uh, he came in and just <laughs> pulled me aside and said, said, Elton, you know, you got to you got to up the wine game in here. Or we're going to have to drive to town, you know. And so that was <laughs> that was. And so I worked with well, he had a great distributor rep. I worked with him and I started getting all of these wines, you know, whether it was. Uh, I mean, at that time we could buy Domaine de Roman Conti, not, not, you know, Roman Saint Vivant or the Eschizo, but I mean like Richborg and Latash, you could get those wines for, you know, $130, $140 to the account. And uh, so I started just loading up with all these great burgundies and, and you know, uh, 
Patrick La Doucette, Baron de L, Puy Fume, and just these tremendous wines from around the world. Um, and John hardly ever drank anything, but you know, uh, he'd always give me the $200 handshake and I was so poor at that time, you know, if I would, I would literally load a body in a car for him for 200 bucks. <laughs> so we have professors in there be like, not you that know, you did, but like, you would have, exactly. you would have, <laughs> he'd say, they'd say, the professor would say, is somebody smoking? And I'd be like, don't worry, five buck, you know, <laughs> I'd be like, just pull the partition over and you'd be like, you can't smoke in here. I'm like, Mr. Mellencamp, you can smoke. <laughs> but uh, I started tasting these wines and in this little account, our distributor rep, which is why I firmly believe in the staff training to this day, uh, turned us all into wine heads. And, and when I graduated from school, I was hired on to National Wine and Spirits, which is now Republic National. But at the time, it was just family owned by the Lacrosse family. And they said, oh, we want to send you around the world to be our wine guy. And so uh, it was just this tremendous education as a very young man. I think I was 21 or 22 years old at the time. And got to go around the world. So I've always had an old world sense, but then worked for Robert Mondavi in the Midwest and moved to California uh, in the mid nineties to manage the bun shoes business. And then on to Craig in 2004. And so I came to California. We're like so far behind on the ding. So of all the names that have yeah. been dropped. In and, the and, 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 and you know, and I'm going to slow Elton down just a moment because I do have some um, listener questions. Um, I'm supposed to ask you about something that happened at Chateau Muscar. Chateau Moussar? Moussar. In Lebanon? And making, uh, and its role at making you a legend at Robert Mondavi? Oh my God, I have no idea who's listening to this. I did. <laughs> Neither there, do we, it's fine. There was a, there was Bart's a, mom. there was an MW candidate uh, at Robert Mondavi Winery when I was there that at our national sales meeting, he put together some wines for the group to taste. And I think there were about 120 of us uh, in the in the room up in Whistler, Canada, and he says, "If anybody gets, if anybody names this wine, I'll give him my paycheck, and um, you know, I'll give him this month's paycheck." Well, I never got the paycheck, but I literally just had Chateau Musar in my tasting group, so I said, "Oh, this is Gaston Hochar's wine, Chateau Musar," and he's, you know, his mouth hit the floor, but everybody's like, "What is going on? Did you see the bottle?" But uh, <laughs> You know, I just, I literally just had the wine and the wine is very distinctive. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, uh, I got some serious street cred that I didn't deserve probably for that because and, and, and I you had the wine I, like a week before. Right. And the reason why I threw it in there is because it, there was something said about you were young when this happened. You were still pretty young to your, uh, your drinking. Um, but it sounds like not if you were working for Mondavi at the time. Yeah, well, I had a great tasting group where I, I and and National was incredibly supportive. A friend of mine was studying for the MW, and so we did a lot of really focused tastings. And I think to this day, my palate, uh, I can tell you, you know, what block went into what when I'm tasting up on Howl Mountain Blind, but uh, I'm not as good anymore at at picking out. You know, I'm like, this is obviously Italian. They're like, that's Beaujolais. And the, yeah. you know when the brown bag, the brown bag is the great equalizer, you know. Yep. So I think I still have a pretty good palate, but there, it's like anything else, uh, you know. You know how it feels. I went out and rode my bike for three and a half hours in the dirt on, on Sunday and just got crushed. And it, you know, and it's not like I've been riding every week. Same with your palate, right. you know. You just, uh, you don't get it trained. But I've always, I've always loved the great wines of the world. So to me. Uh, it's almost ironic that I'm an owner of a Napa Valley Trophy Cabernet house, you know. 
and 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 maybe you know we should go back to that a little bit um because there's uh, there's chardonnay in our glass which you know how is it that you came to um find fucking great too. chardonnay yeah, from sonoma <laughs> county or you know gaps gaps crown um but also a little history on robert craig because i i know what i read but i don't think a lot of people know the history of robert craig um so maybe you could touch a little bit about the wine and then the beginnings of robert craig well i'll 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 do it short um i i just think that you know, Bob Craig is one of the greatest guys in the wine business. I mean, there are not too many people uh, in the Napa Valley, which has become increasingly corporate over the last 10 years. You know, I think about, you know, one after the other, um, whether it's the French insurance companies buying the Arajos out at, uh, and now have Isley and the wine is still very good. Uh, our next door neighbors at Outpost and Lamborn up on our little driveway up at the top of Powell Mountain on Summit Lake Drive. Um, you name it, but, uh, Bob Craig was one of the original mountain Cabernet farmers in the Napa Valley and really was absolutely the ringleader in founding the spring mountain and the Mount Veter AVAs. Okay. So Bob Craig, uh, was doing a vineyard deal with, uh, William Hill and like everybody else that William Hill ever did business with it all ended up in a lawsuit. Uh, but <laughs> I'll name names. But, um, you know, Donald Hess loved the vineyard that they planted on Mount Veter, and this is in the late 70s, and, and he ended up convincing Bob to come aboard and plant his, you know, 300-some acres up there. And then Bob worked for uh, Donald Hess for 10 years between 80 and 90, and when Donald decided he wanted to go from 20,000 cases of wine to 350,000, uh, that's when Bob said, hey, I just want to do small lot Cabernet. His buddy, Dennis Johns, had been working for St. Clement Winery, and they had a great Howl Mountain Vineyard that somehow they signed over to him because they needed somebody in the U.S. for the for the bank loan. And that's how Dennis Johns ended up getting uh, White Cottage Ranch, which is now Adamus. And now he has a little property down called uh, Second Chance or Second Time Around or some such some such name, but uh, but Bob turned Dennis onto the or Dennis turned Bob Craig onto the property. So we bought our How Mountain and our Affinity property down in Coombsville in the uh, early '90s, and that's when you know How Mountain. Everybody told Bobby was crazy to pay like twenty eight thousand bucks for an, an acre for it, and now it's all <laughs> going for a million dollars an acre, right. you know, up there. So um, so but, but so Bob was Craig was a was a vineyard guy. Yeah, he was really a real estate guy. Okay. Um, you know, everybody says Bob was a great farmer or people still ask me, is is Bob still making the wine? I'm like, well, Bob has been Bob has been dead a number of years now and he retired from the winery in 2012. So the answer is no, right. he never made the wine. Uh, but Bob Craig was uh, he was a had a tremendous eye for property and for development. And so when he saw we, you know, it was Alex Ryan who raised his family up, the CEO of Duckhorn, who raised his family up at our, the little house that's on our winery, that's like our crush intern flop house and place we get lunch now. So, uh, you know, I'm just amazed the rain hasn't found its way in that door. But Alex also planted and developed uh, the candlestick vineyard that we bought for yeah. Duckhorn. But I, I think along with, you know, Bob Travers and Viacomas, uh, probably Randy Dunn on Howe Mountain, and the Bronsteins on Diamond Creek. I mean, Bob Craig is 
OG squad of mountain Cabernet farmers. Yeah. And nobody really, you know, realizes uh, that as much as probably they should. I, you know, um, you know, I tell people that all the time, but they, you're not charging enough for the wine. That's what yeah. that means. <laughs> Hey, I thought you told me you didn't want to drink any more $400 wines. We can make it happen. You got to charge at least $800 a bottle and then your reputation really gets solidified. Yeah. After hearing Artie Johnson on here last time, uh, uh, you know, he said, I've had, I've had way too much $400 wine out of plastic cups. I'm like, so when do we start hanging out? Yes. You know, I was like, Artie, I'm, ca I'm calling you up, man. Anytime you see Artie, have a cup in hand yeah. <laughs> and a lighter. Right. A, there's going to be a cigar. There's going to be wine that you want to taste. Um, let's just talk. I mean, we got some wine on the table, so I don't know if we just want to kind of talk about this. Chardonnay. The Chardonnay is delicious. Yeah. Great. Yeah. It's like um, pear, candied pear thing happening. It's just like. Great acid. Yeah. I mean, it's like you took, took grapes, squeeze it into a bottle and. We're drinking it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the wine. Just that simple. Uh, the wine has this kind of citrus pear quality to it uh, early on in its life. And it really starts to get that uh, that oyster shell. You know, I got if I hear oyster shell salinity and precision, those words one more time in my white wine describing life is going to leap onto a sword. But uh, but it really does have those those qualities. And you can see. The only reason I make this wine, I don't know where the back label is, but you can see what's on the back label. Uh, it says a portion of it, you know, your purchase of this racy, vibrant wine will benefit the Tamales Bay Oyster Overpopulation Concerned Citizens Alliance. <laughs> because uh, that's the only reason we produce it is because I love Tamales Bay oysters. And um, most California Chardonnays are like 3738 pH even. I mean, I'm always amazed. And uh, this, you know, Raveno Chablis is consistently 335, 330. This thing is like 32, 318, you know. Uh, so it has a, it has a raging, the TA and the PA, the pH is low and the TA is always high in this wine. And, you know, at first I thought, uh, I just want to do this completely without oak. And so we did, um, we did a little bit of this Chardonnay and did blind tasted all the lots. And I fermented some in concrete. And then I was like, God, what is this lot? This tastes like shit. And everybody's like, that's your lot. That's the one you wanted to make. So, you know, obviously we have, we have more talented <laughs> winemaking at Robert Craig than myself. So it is a team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't, I, I have had to make the wine in 2008, but Jason Price uh, has been there many years and, and we work with Keith Emerson uh, who's the director of winemaking over at Vineyard 29, who also knows your pop. Uh, just a great guy. I work with Keith as far back as Gunlock Bunshu days. Uh, he's an incredible talent. So Keith has been a nonstop with us since 2005 when I hired him to consult. Not like come in once a year, but heavy consult. And we make a totally different style of wine than Vineyard 29. Ours is, the Chardonnay is a perfect example it's a great starting place because it's what we do. You know, it's these wines that are structured and racy. Uh, this sees quite a bit of new oak at the start and then nothing, you know, the surly stirring is cut out, heavy pressure at the press uh, to inoculate the wine against oxygen contamination later. And it's, it's cool to me as I, you know, listen to Artie and your other guests talking about how they're making it. I mean, there's this, I mean, you guys are the, I, I've never thought of myself as an old guy until I see all the young guys you know, coming on, I'm like, God, I'm older. I'm old as shit. And I, I'm um, right there with you. But in the Napa Valley, I mean, I'm basically a whippersnapper. I'm yeah. the only one in the restaurant that doesn't have the oxygen tank next to me. 
coming in. But but what I love is to see the wines of a Ceritas and Ted Lemon's wine at Literai, which I uh, absolutely love, and Mayakamas, and all, and these wineries that are producing these wines in a style. And, and Montalena has quietly done it forever. And they make quite a bit of Chardonnay, but it's always good. So this, to me, is a great intro yeah. to kind of what our wines are about, which are, to me, ageability and sense of place. Right. Perfect. And where are we going to go from here? I'm going to let you direct the, well, the uh, lineup. You know, shockingly, uh, I'm really excited about these <laughs> non-Bordeaux Robert Craig's. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> it's just a Cabernet racist society. I've noticed on your podcast that, you know, shit. Yeah, Cabernet. don't have that cool of friends. Roan supremacists. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Roan supremacists. Cabernet, Cabernet is... Cabernet is always the one uh, in the, uh, at this table that, that takes a beating. I've, <laughs> I've heard more than five different people on five different shows say, it's like, do you go home and drink Napa Cabernet? You know, <laughs> come on, mofos. We're going to have Napa Cabernet today. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 putting a, I'm putting a line in the sand. But first, be, because I love so many wines, we happen to right, be, we right next door. I never mess around with Zinfandel. Uh, when I when I started at Robert Craig, we were buying a Zinfandel from an Amador County uh, producer. So we made an Amador's and I'm like, boy, now you you trek those grapes that are super ripe for eight hours across the Central Valley and up to Howe Mountain. And guess what happens? You make some pretty lousy wine from it. And and so uh, in any event, uh, we made some good wine in those years. Every once in a while, a wine clubber will show up with a 2003 bottle of Amador Zinfandel and I'll be like damn it's still hanging in but this is real deal so this is Black Sears from our next door neighbors also farmed by also farmed by Pete Richmond uh, and Silverado Farming and uh, you know we have uh, the the guys that that manage our place uh, Nick Antignano and Miguel there that are also uh, part owners in Silverado are just amazing <clears throat> So um, the production facility is up on the top of uh, the mountain. Exactly, right on the right on the summit. Um, the on-site winemaker's name is what again? Uh, Jason Price. Jason Price. And and how big a crew do you guys have up there? And does the crew work in the vineyard and also in the cellar, or is it just you and Jason? No, it is uh, Jason and uh, Jordanos Gibru, who is an Ethiopian woman that has come to us by way of, she was making wine in Georgia after she was uh, doing some spirits in Ethiopia and incredibly talented. So she's the assistant winemaker, Jason's full-time winemaker. And now anymore, I mean, I made wine there one year in 2008 after firing the winemaker for totaling the the company truck and leaving it in the oncoming lane. You know, when you get the call from Jerry Sears saying, uh, Elton, your truck is in the, uh, your, your truck is in the lane. I'm like, Oh God, you know? And uh, so he's famously the winemaker that time said, well, it's not like I'm being fired. And I said, Oh, it's exactly <laughs> like that. And so I discovered that no winemaker worth their salt will leave their place of business uh, at, in August in August 25th of that production year. Uh, so exactly. anyway, everybody said, so I'll start January 1st. I'm like, but what about now? Right. So yeah, so that was I'm my, busy, man. <laughs> so uh, how mountain is its own AVA, right? 
It is the first nested AVA in the Napa Valley out of 14. So Howe Mountain was established in 83. And then uh, it's the only one with a with an elevation requirement. So Howe Mountain starts at 1400 feet because it's above the inversion layer. So you, anybody here that's been hiking or skiing at altitude, you know that the light is different. Uh, the molecules react differently in the grapes. You're, you have way less water holding capacity in the soil. Uh, we didn't have the ability, uh, uh, you know, we didn't have all the dynamite that Abreu has. So um, the soils were ripped unevenly, you know, as when your father walks around any vineyard, it's like, oh, it wasn't ripped right. Wasn't ripped right. That's what he had. The first thing that your, I know that your impressions between, uh, you know, John Mellencamp and Phil Cotteri are just so spot on. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so fourteen hundred feet, that's high. Yeah, in, uh, for the coastal ranges. What's the what's the peak of Howell Mountain ABA? The peak is like twenty five fifty, I want to say, and we're right on that summit ridge. Our place is just over twenty three hundred feet. You know, right. the top of the vineyard is like, you know, twenty, you know, twenty three eighty or Sorry, something like that. It sounds like. There was like three people above fourteen hundred, and they all got together and said, "Let's create our own AVA." <laughs> but you, look, everyone I mean, down below us will be. Uh, you know, it's good for them. It's yeah. the it's the fog line. It's, it's when it's things where, change. It's where the it's, it's where the change. inversion yeah. layer starts. So they all got the maps out. So who else is up there? So is it outpost. Oh is, yeah, Out, outpost. Right? I mean, there's so many. We literally yeah. have, uh, I want to say, a hundred plus wineries a oh, hundred and i'm on the i should know this i'm on the hell mountain board so it's ridiculous but but there are like 140 or 150 wineries in the Howe mountain ava and then you have people like you have um uh jason at 100 acre that you know they can't be in the ava you have rick foreman that does have uh he does have a vineyard ownership that is uh traditionally being made by abreu but uh, he has one vineyard up there that he's going to start making uh, wine from. But he's down below, you know, Burgess, uh, Via Dare are just down below. So there's a lot of famous properties that would love to put Howl Mountain on the label that can't, they can't do it because. Yeah. Nah, it's a um, good club when you'd be like 100 acre. No, nah, you can't be in our club. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, nah, you're not that cool. <laughs> that's, that's, that's riper and richer than my style to say the least. But, um, you know, every, everybody, everybody has their gig and. Uh, this, this wine is, comes about because I have always loved, um, I mean, I think Artie spoke about Monterrasso, which I consider one of the great Zinfandel vineyard sites in the world. And this is one of them too. I mean, there's Jackass, there's this place, there's Ridge, you know, uh, Ridge, probably Geyserville, I think of, yeah. and, um, oh my God, this vineyard, this is farmed by Pete Richmond as well, which is nice. So it's organic as well as our vineyard. And we're neighbors, and so it's very easy um, to. We're getting, you know, at the price we're paying. It's, you know, it's like your pop. He's not afraid to send you an invoice. Um, but <laughs> the, these are all head-trained vines that were planted in the in the early '70s, and it's just a beautiful place. I mean, it's it it's is. not as beautiful wine. It's, it's not as windy and solid rock as our place next door. But it, I mean, God, these Infidel grapes. It has this sort of ground white pepper, exotic Howe Mountain spice that's all over this wine. How long did it take you to convert to organic farming? Um, 
Well, with Phil, it was instantaneous because he said, I only farm organically. So I'm like, well, so you're then, converted. Right. I'll tell I'll tell the neighbors they, they can the kids can take off the hazmat suits when they wait for the school bus next to the vineyard. You know, uh, we really started uh, going that direction in 2012. You know, uh, we used to have it used to be just Carlos Mendez, uh, our employee number one, who's still one of the most knowledgeable, one of the greatest farmers, best guys. But, you know, that generation is all going away. Uh, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the children of some of the most talented uh, Mexican workforce that has built the Napa Valley and really never got the credit that it deserved, um, they're off, you know, working in tech and doing other things. And so, uh, you know, for so many years, our farming was a guy in a truck with a dog, you know. But, uh, but you know, you get, you, you use somebody like Enterprise or like Pete Richmond, the Silverado farming, because the level of attention to detail is tremendous and there's a great deal of interaction with us on it. Um, but I'm not responsible for making sure the workers get breaks, you know, every 20 or 30 minutes, right. whatever. So going to organic to me has been a process where, um, you know, you have to be able to, you have to be able to survive financially to have a business. But as I have, as I've lived my life and we've been through these fires, we've been through these bomb cyclones, the world is groaning. And so now we're going with lighter bottles than these. We're going with no capsules anymore because we just, all we do is, is throw away the tin, yeah. you know, all the time. And, um, we're still using, you know, natural cork. DM is still a natural, uh, still natural cork. So you're still preserving the cork forest, the way of life, the fact that they're taking, uh, you know, 30% more, you know, a greenhouse gas out of the air than a standard forest. All of these things to me, you have to be conscious of. So for us, we'll be certified on Vitor, I believe this year, it's our third year with uh, your pop farming that with enterprise farming that and uh with how mountain i think next year will be certified so we're organically farmed uh, everywhere and and where we buy fruit is organically farmed as well so we're 90 percent estate 10 percent uh purchased fruit what do you think of this in I, I mean i think it's it's so how mountain in that in, in the structure it's not there's not a like it's not a fruit bomb at all. No, not at all. Um, it's structure. And so structured. Really beautiful fruit. Yeah. Uh, almost say, almost austere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you have a if you have a Russian rivers in next to this, that is like Brunello de Montalcino, and this is Barolo. Yeah. I mean, this is the yeah. Nebbiolo of Zins. Yeah. And you can leave this in the glass for hours I and mean, overnight, and there's no oxidation the following day. It's yeah. so nit. The, the color on it is beautiful. It's it's got this dark dark color but it has a little bit of a blue hue to it that makes it just beautiful and, and i know we're, we're here obviously for robert craig winery but since we have the opportunity can you just shout out a little bit black sears because it's basically an all zinfandel napa winery right well i wish it was all zinfandel because okay. they just tore out a huge amount of the zinfandel vineyard oh, no. because they get they get 80 bucks for the zin and they get uh 180 for the cab yeah. you know and 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 uh, Chris Chambois and Ashley Sears, his wife, our neighbors are just the most awesome people. I mean, I just absolutely love them. And Jerry Sears, Ashley's father, he, he passed away at the same time as Bob Craig in 2019, like the same week. <laughs> and he was a guy who was 
a poet, a builder, a farmer. He was a Renaissance man and just one of the one of the great people you would ever meet in your lifetime. And I, I think about this gener generation of Napa from, you know, Don Chapelet and those guys. And um, oh, my goodness, uh, Mary, I can't believe I'm blanking your name from Spotswood. Uh, and then uh, Novak. Mary. Yeah. Mary. Mary no. Novak. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mary Novak, Beth right? is Beth, Beth Novak, and yeah, and then and then one of Sonoma my podcast. one of my favorites, uh, <laughs> Margaret Margaret Duckhorn, you know, passed away just a few weeks ago, and right. and when I was coming out here as a kid from Indiana, just being a distributor, she opened the doors to her home and treated me like I was the biggest account in the United States, you know, and had me in for lunch, and and these are the people that I that I learned from and learned how to be ambassadors for the Napa Valley. And despite all the, all the corporate going on, uh, it's still predominantly people that make less, less than 5,000 cases of wine and still predominantly family owned, which is, which is great. But uh, for me, whatever we can do as a company, you know, uh, to get lighter glass, I'm not, I'm not ready to go can yet. I've always, I've always liked, I've always liked from the time I grew up in this business, you know, in the in the late 80s and early 90s when I was in distribution, I've always liked the feel of significant glass at the table. But since it's killing the planet, I don't know what that whoever it was that said it about Amazon, honey, you can't order Amazon. It's it's killing the planet. She's like, "Yes, but it's doing so so conveniently, darling." <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, you're right. It's it's interesting. After our show last week, um, when you hear how hard it is to change your carbon um, input right. output, um, it kind of makes you almost go, "Yeah, well, we'll just do the best we can, and hopefully the technology catches up." Right? right. I mean, um, she she painted a pretty uh, pretty tough picture the other day. Yeah. Well, so. I, I mean, I think it's um, you know. I, I don't think we'll avoid being a climate podcast because everybody's going to talk about it. Everybody's right. looking for every incremental little piece that they can do to do better. Uh, you know, so if that means losing the foils and sacrificing, you know, this expectation of uh, substantial bottle, what did you say? Substantial glass? Yeah, that was a, that was a good, it wasn't a, but a substantial package, a, you know, yeah. it, uh, <laughs> So make it ten percent less. <laughs> so take it ten percent less substantial. Yeah, um, and that's and just well, everyone's interesting to look at the, these two bottles next to them. I mean, right. which one would you grab first? Uh, the O nine Co Roti. Yeah. <laughs> right. Every time. <laughs> Wait, was I not supposed to look at the label? God. Hey, I'm sitting right here. Uh, Elton, which bottle would you grab first? Yeah. Uh, the O nine Co Roti. There, there's there's no guarantee that 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 this. You know, Rostein La Landon 0009 is going to be 2009 is going to be great because it's traditionally cork finished, but it smells great. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wow. And that's why, yeah. and that's why well, I brought these over to the cold table because, in this shade <laughs> because he was a little on fire before the show even started. About yeah, these and corks. let's talk about that a little bit before um, we get into those wines. You'll notice we have some different corks on the table. Um, you got some synth, right? And some natural. Yeah. Well, they're all natural, right? They're all natural. They're all natural. natural. They're all, they're all natural. Um, what do they call these? Diem. 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 So Diem has been exploded, introduced to an unstable molecule that adheres to any impurities or bacteria in the cork, and then re-adhered with food-grade adhesive, or in our case, with beeswax. 
Well, at Opus, they test every cork, so you don't have to worry about it. Well, you know, the thing <laughs> the thing I would say, I, I say nay to that. You know, um, I have started keeping a rogues gallery of a rogues gallery of corked wines that I've had. And I've had so much. And the the nefarious thing about the Porta Cork Icon Corks that we were using, and David Ramey so pointed this out right in front of the guys from Cork Supply and uh, and from Porta Cork that were doing their their bit at Intelligence Napa Valley to speak about trap and capture, how they were going to uh, make these Icon Corks, but they're below the threshold of detectability for TCA trichloride, you know, anisole, or as we call it at Craig, anisole, because it gives you that terrible itch, you know, but um, it's, it, it, but you get these, with these corks, you get all, you get, you get all these, you get all these wines, you know, and it happens rarely because they're very high quality corks, but you get these wines all, all of a sudden on Instagram, somebody will DM me and say, Hey, does your how mountain just need more time? The 16, it's like really tight. And I'm like, no. Uh, if you don't open that wine and say, oh my God, I need another case of this. It's, it's not. And then I'll send a bottle back and say, try this one out. And they go, wow, this is like completely different wine. And it's because it's that low level TCA. It's so nefarious because if you're a sommelier, people think, oh, this is just how your wine is. This wine isn't corked. So one of my friends that worked for Achendo, she was using those, they were using the same port cork icons and she brought over a 2016 bottle of that wine, which is almost $400 a bottle. I'm sure Artie drinks it out of a paper cup. And same thing. One of those, little, one of those little like ones that you have in the field that, you know, come to a point, look like little snow cone holders. And you just have, and then once you have one sip. Throw it like, on the ground. You just throw it, throw it away. Compost it. You compost it. it. But at any rate, uh, I said, this wine's corked. And she said, absolutely not. This wine's just fine. It needs to open up. That's that is the so that it needs is the, to blow off. That is the uh, yes, the, yeah. the, it's going to blow off, or it just needs to open up. Uh, is the final, that's it. And sure enough, I said, well, if you have another bottle, I'll pay for it right now. Uh, if it, if it's not different than this one, she went out and just absolutely could not believe that it was the same wine. She was like, this is wild, and I'm like, welcome to my world. I went through this the whole vintage, two vintages, 2015 and 16, How Mountain, where I should have done DM and did not. So well, and and that so, was what you were doing. You were opening up the 15s that we're going to taste here shortly, and you were going through the the corks trying Sam to confuse. There's cab to, try, <laughs> trying yes. trying to see if there was any effect. But I mean, from our discussion with Dave Ramey, it's not even the corkiness. The TCA is not even really the problem. It's the seal, right? It's yes. The, it's the oxygen. Um, exchange that it, they can't guarantee in traditional cork. That's right. Um, and and he came out and showed us, you know, here's my dissolved, here, here's my free SO2 before bottling and after bottling with Diem, which was exactly the same for years and years and years after bottling. And then the ones with traditional cork were all over, over the, the place. place. And then the extractables, he took this huge, uh, you know, one of those big water jugs that you use like in an office water cooler and filled it up with... <laughs> Uh, like like uh, Almaden Mountain Rhine or some innocuous white wine and then put a bunch of DMs in one and put a bunch of traditional corks in the other one and the other one was like it was like a dark color you know so all of these extractables as well and so for me if people are not searching especially on the high end for an additional cork closure I mean um, uh, one of my good friends represents some French 
uh, some great burgundy imports. And this is the first year they started using Diem because I it was so great to open one of those up at Barber's Q in Napa, the the Q restaurant, and have the have the wine be per. I was like, oh, Diem, great, because I'd had wildly different experiences with the same Pellini Montrachet at Don Giovanni, of you know from different corks. So it shouldn't be that way. Okay, well, I mean that's I'm, I'm prattling on too long. No, no, no. 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 So this it, is awesome. It, it, you're... This is what it's about. Elton, I was going to ask you about the soils up there. What are they composed of? The soils rock. are composed of rock. <laughs> so um, we have like a, a basalt series. Uh, some call it like a uh, an Aiken uh, loam up there. Uh, it's this very red soil on Howe Mountain. It's extremely high iron content because Howe Mountain was produced from the eruption of the Sierras, the Vaca Range. So the soils are relatively young, five million years old, but um, I think the Blue Ridge Mountains are like 22 years, 22 million years old. So relatively young soils, but extremely volcanic, well-drained soil. Uh, over on our Candlestick property, it's almost exclusively a white volcanic tufa. So very different experiences this in the, the wine. This is a Mount Veter property. No, Howe Mountain. So okay. Veter, Veter, all of that. Our vineyard is not volcanic. There's some volcanic near the top of Veter, but most of Veter has been pushed up from the ocean floor by earthquake. And so you have this compressed marine material. It's almost like uh, with a little sandstone and shale. So uh, it's they're, they're just very, very different soil types, and they all produce wildly different wines. Um, to me... We're going to get into our Cote de Craig because I named it Cote de Craig because I love Cote Roti. However, um, we're replanting this particular section of, of uh, our vineyard. Uh, it's these old bushy vines, but uh, the fire took some of this out. And uh, so this is, it's supposed to be about 75 Grenache or 75 Syrah, 25 Grenache. But this is about 65 Grenache and then 35 Syrah. So in the, in the years to come, it'll be heavier Syrah. But this is a hell of a wine. Uh, this is one. Of, this is all 2019. It's brand new release. So unfortunately, I didn't have any library of this. Our first vintage was 2015 when we bought Candlestick, and I said, "Hey, we got to just tear this. You know, we got to tear these vines out. This uh, Grenache and Syrah." And uh, Keith Emerson said, "Whoa, you know, See, wait." We'd gotten to Keith by then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He right. said, "He said, wait a minute, Elton, that looks good." And then uh, we got it in. Can't I was, you see a bunch of Cabernet vines there? Oh my God. That's a beautiful wine. That is so different from the Zen. Amazing. Right? Just so different. Wow. But, but how do you explain that? How do you explain to someone who is paying the bills that you're, you're going to put in Grenache and Syrah and not Cab? In a, in well, Elton is pay, like, paying the I bills. I am paying the bills. How do you look in the mirror and explain <laughs> that to yourself? I kept it in and I almost yeah. got in a fist fight with Keith and the winemaker when I saw what yield because we got about a half ton an acre off the entire acre of of you know syrah and and uh, grenache up there for the first vintage and i was like you guys you know you i i could have just had this replanted all at the same time and you guys want to screw around and this isn't what we do you want a paycheck you know so i was and then i was and then you know everything mellowed out we were going around and tasting through the lots in the winery i was like now this is good this What's what this? is this this isn't the zen and, and they're like, that's the wine you were bitching about, <laughs> you know? So 
so it, it's expensive. You know, I think it's uh, I think it's uh, over a hundred bucks. Sardonic um, seller worker imitation. Yeah, it, <laughs> nailed it. But nailed it. You know, it's it's a bargain for what our farming is. We can't sell it. Uh, we can't sell it to distribution because we wouldn't make any money. We just sell it direct as like a little treat for our wine club. And like Zinfandel, it started slow when we produced 2015. Uh, everybody's like, why are you making this? And now everybody's like, when is that wait, released? I'll wait, you sold out? What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. This is delicious. It's got a nice little kind of gaminess to it, um, both in aromatics and taste. It's beautiful. Thank so, you. Elton, what did you guys do in 2020? What did, did you put out any wines? We what? did. Like I said, you know, we were... Uh, I got ahead of myself with the leaf water potentials and we were running, you know, into the 13s and 14s before the, uh, before the 112 degree weather hit up there for two straight weeks. And then the flames arrived. So we got some wine in and the wine is very good. It's like Chateau Montrose pH, you know, it's like full on three, five, five, but it is very nice wine and smoke free, but we only got, you know, we didn't get 2,000 cases. We got 500. But so no, it's a ramen a, noodle year. Hold on a second, though. I, I Explain something. You've said twice now that you got ahead of yourself on the leaf. The Say it again. The leaf. Leaf water potentials. Leaf water potentials. The LWPs, as Phil likes to say. Right. LWP. You, are, are you saying that... <laughs> Who's making these calls? Are, are you making these calls? Is our, you and Keith together? Our winemaker, I mean, how, and, how, our winemaker and Keith, and then me when I'm there in the vineyards. So I so, come in. So you're not just sitting at your desk, you know, thinking out, you know, sales um, trips. You're 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 obviously very hands on in this. Oh no, I'm heavily involved involved in the farming and in the blending and you know the that yeah the overall production side of the winery is where you live, you know, because when I started, we were not maximizing, I would say the use of these incredible vineyards that we had. And so when Bob retired in 2012, we were 20% estate grown and now we're 90%. So I bought more vineyards, you know, we bought the Veter vineyard, we bought the candlestick vineyard. And I said, you know, uh, of course, when Bob was there and, and there's no better person in the business, but I didn't want to have to, invest together in vineyards and then have to buy him out of an appreciating vineyard as he was ready to, you know, exit the exit, the wine business, go to Arizona. So, but this is, I wanted to bring some Grenache Syrah's precious as this is to you boys. Thank you. So you can give a little, you so we'd care about wine. your Cabernet. No, I know how you, you played can give it. Me well little, played, sir. Well played. All these wines are really elegant so far. So I'm waiting for the other shooter drop. <laughs> Hit me over the head with that fucking Cabernet. Bring it over here. We're, we're going to, we're going to bring you the gargle master over here. <laughs> like the atmospheric river. <laughs> you have 12 inches of Cabernet bottle is, is right behind this. So um, how, what was it that, why in the hell did the Bunchus hire you to come out and be national sales manager? Like, was it, was that a, are you a team Jim or are you a team Jeff? I'm team both, but I say to you, Jeff, you never show up for lunch. And so if you ever listen to this, you know, you're, 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 on the, you're on the out, man. Uh, now, the, the Bun Shoes, they had a national sales manager that came in and did my first sales meeting when I started working at the distributor. They just hired me on, and uh, I just remember driving up to Indianapolis, and Jim McCullough, 
who was just an, an amazing man. He was the one that he had this incredible baritone voice. And he, he used to be a radio guy in, in Philadelphia and then moved to California and represented their wine for 15 years. Yeah. But he'd say, you know, Elton, my lad, distributors are more interested in selling our wines if it's in their warehouse rather than ours. You know, he was he was awesome. There's a lot of truth to that, but isn't yeah, there? Exactly. <laughs> that's, uh, but that's but, but it was my first sales meeting, and this guy speaks a few minutes about the Academy Awards, and um, you know what an absolute travesty. Do the right thing. Did not receive the Academy Award. He's like driving Miss Daisy's a bunch of trite trash. You know, and I thought, who is this guy? You know, and and so he took us out to lunch. And we got lit up. He ordered everybody's wines at the Keystone Grill. Never forget it. And I decided, you know, I said, man, this wine business, these Friday meetings, I cannot wait to come to the next one. <laughs> and then it's just, I'm like, wow, nobody's like this guy, you know? And so the years go by, I met, I met Jim and Jeff at the Swiss Hotel uh, here where you meet all the important That's people. Right. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and I kept in touch with him when I went to Robert Mondavi Winery, you know, uh, and became a manager in the Midwest with Mondavi. And, uh, you know, one day the Bunchies called and said, hey, you know, Jim's going to retire and we would like to interview you for national sales. And the rest is history. I came to California, I think, in 97 with five grand in a checking account. And now I'm 30 million in debt. It's been a it's been a meteoric Nailed rise. It. It's been a meteoric rise in this business, boys. Yeah. But but how about this Grenache, right? Yeah. All right, so you got all this extra money in your pocket. Oh wait, maybe you don't. You have so, all this extra money in Bank of America's pocket and American now Express's pocket. How do you pocket. get into NFTs? And tell me how this all becomes how this all comes about. Well, I have to confess, I have a very young with it uh guy that manages our sales our wine club all of our direct to consumer sales which is most of our revenue now and most of our uh, volume sales as well as as a small joint you have to if you rely on distributors god help you and southern i love you rndc if you're listening i love you too but um you know he said hey we have this opportunity with one of his friends that they had done all a lot of big time uh, tech projects with with NFT and everything else. And I said, well, I'd love to try it. But for us, I, I still can't get my arms around, you know, they want your wine in the metaverse. And so if when somebody would buy our NFT, they basically got, you know, a visit and one of a very exclusive wine of ours that they make. So for a thousand bucks, they're basically getting a thousand dollars worth of worth of product because I still couldn't get my head around uh, selling something that was nothing. They're like, well, they have this. You know, I felt like it's the Seinfeld episode. It's about nothing, right. nothing, Jerry. Uh, but in any event, uh, so we did an, a successful NFT offering. And um, I think we are completely sold out. And I tell you, it's a, it's an entirely different group of people that come to Napa right. that have been collecting sports NFTs or uh, whatever it is. But um, into Bitcoin, most likely a lot of them are into crypto. Yes. Um, yeah. 
and obviously it's a great time for me to get into crypto. Crypto's right. doing really well. Super. Awesome. Oh my right. God. Put, I just, you know, pay for I, your crypto, pay for your self-driving Tesla to take you home and your crypto money. We just can't, we just can't wait to see the other Sam Bankman fried come up to, and, and, yeah. and have a glass of wine with us. And you know, that guy looks well, like guys, he has a good time ready for the palate cleanser. Hell yeah. Let's do some of this 2009, but, but my whole deal with doing this is did bring in some, I mean, I love, great wines of the world but when when uh, robert craig uh when i bring robert craig out and there's a brown bag you know i i'll put my wine on the table with anybody's wines on the planet earth you know it doesn't matter i feel like we have the vineyards and we just need to um my i my goal as a brand is not to have a 400 hundred dollar wine it's to be it's to have people respect us for making some of the greatest wine on the planet and i think of you know a wine that I've always collected uh, and always loved uh, in the Napa Valley, you know, uh, Philip Tony. And, you know, when he got that 100 point score from Galoni on the 13 vintage, oh my God, the wine went from $95 a bottle to $170 a bottle in the same effing release. So I wrote a poison pen letter that they probably have somewhere framed at the winery because it was. I was so incensed over it. So now I can't go to the winery and get wine. I have to go buy it from K&L or somebody. <laughs> but I was so angry about the whole, you know, we're going to whore ourselves out on this 100-point score. Um, but good on him. I mean, the wine, I still collect it because I love the wine so much. But I, I feel like Craig can be there. And uh, how's this La Landon? I love Rene Rustain wine. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's all mm. that like. I don't know. It's it smells like it's a little farther along, maybe than it. It is a little. I mean, especially after having fresh Grenache, it's a little. Mm. It's a little in the funk, but we'll come back to it. It's it's clean, but uh, to me, it's a it's not a it's not an absolute perfect bottle. But I wouldn't kick it out of bed. It'll blow off. It'll blow off. <laughs> oh, well, he's got to let it. I'm going to say I'm going to let, let yeah, it open up. I'm going to let that. I'm going to let that. It's been cellared. It's been cellared perfectly. So I've had. I've had a, I've, I'm going to get a hold of Rare Wine Company if you're listening, Rare Wine Company. Uh, there's another there's, company. There's, that's some been pe- there's some listeners. There's some listeners in the Rare Wine Company. Uh, we'll no, talk. Actually, I'm a, a couple good squirrels. It's already smelling better, actually. Hmm. Is Rare Wine Company still hmm. in Sonoma? No. It used to be Eighth Street East, man. Right. But they sold. I don't know who they sold to. I don't but. Know, uh, yeah, Manny. Manny sold. And then, I mean, the smart thing that is they're now in Burlingame, which they're like near the right next to the airport where all the wine comes in and out. Um, and then, but I don't know. I know that I don't think uh, you know Phil and Robert were um, came in, um, kept a pretty kept big. The, they, they were pretty paid the Sonoma rent. Paid the Sonoma rent for a long time, um, among others, apparently. Yeah, Cayman, Many others. Cayman, I'm sure would have a tough time paying that rent. Yeah, <laughs> that's a joke, people. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He jokes. Uh, he brags about how he's the poorest guy on on the top of the mountain anymore. But right, you know, it's just a matter of degrees, I guess. Right. <laughs> um. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if does somebody corporate own Rare Wine Company now? I don't know. I don't know. I, somebody bought somebody somebody bought them that has a lot of money. Yeah. But. They sure as hell have a nice list of wines. Yes, they do. Nice and, yeah. and so, nice and expensive too. That's who turned me on to Bartolo Mascarello and you know GB Berlotto and uh, Rene Rostain. This 
this Rostain 1009, I have other bottles from that are not from them uh, that are really, really good. So we'll see. I'll let this one open up a little bit, I think. Yeah. Um, we need to see what's happening. I, I just feel like I want you guys to come away with possibly the impression that Napa Valley may be worth another look, you know, <laughs> under the covers that there is, there is some stuff happening and it's not with always all the usual suspects with, you know, uh, Matthiason or a, um, oh my gosh, uh, well, Sam Kaplan's making some really, some really cool alternative stuff. And, um, why am I blanking the guy at, who was at Larkmead that makes some really interesting oh, Dan Massacan. Yeah, Dan Ma yeah, Massacan wines. Yeah. Exactly. So the, you know, there's a cadre no. there's a cadre of people Dan. that everybody thinks of being the only people in Napa that are outliers. Petrosky. Petrosky. There we go. Dan Petrosky, yes. that's right. His wines are very, very nice too. Every yeah. time I have those wines. But California as a whole is an innovative place. And I and I love what Artie had to say about it, uh saying that you know, it's not about competing uh, for for Napa. It's never really been about competing with Sonoma. I mean, you look at the wine, the, the wine auctions. Right. And and but you look at people that have come to Sonoma, you know, like a Verite or who are making more highly prized wines, you know, maybe than anybody in uh, the Napa Valley. You look at I see you had the, the Nulls on for with their Zinfandel is so I mean, so spectacular. So everybody has their place, but I don't want Napa to be seen as a, this is just how it is. It's overpriced. It's, it's this way. It's just frozen in time because it's not. That's no, and, and you know what? And I don't think that we realistically do. It's, it's easy to kick, kick Napa along as we go through. And I think ultimately it probably all started with the first time when we went over to that gentleman's uh, house for the podcast um, from Bounty Hunter. And oh, he, Mark Pope. And Mark he Pope, introduced yeah. us to neighbor pricing. Neighbor pricing. And, you know, well, if my neighbor's getting $400 a bottle, then mine must be $500 a bottle. And and that's kind of like we, we took that joke and kind of ran with it. So, no, I think we appreciate um, we appreciate what happens in Napa in the cab world. Um, but it's, yeah. We've done a lot of shows over in Napa. No, I wouldn't say we've done a lot. But. <laughs> well, it's just an easy kick. Like, like, like we like to kick Scribe every now and then, right? Because it's an easy kick because they're doing well, and and they got the cool kids over there. And and for us, it's an easy kick to to Napa because they're they're selling the, you know, they got Promontory and you got you know these great Harlan wines and Verite. And I mean, it's great to to, to make fun of them because you think that they're like this big castle with thick walls right but maybe they are shedding a little tear a little bit when we're doing that and so maybe we should back off a little bit no Guys, shedding tears but also do not, do shedding copper up. roof shingles which is <laughs> <laughs> what we really and it's so on brand for us <laughs> yeah I, I mean i have to say I, I i that is why i've enjoyed your your podcast i mean when i when i do a webinar every month at the end i have whoever my guest is I always say at the at the very last thing I do when I have other winemakers on or restaurateurs, I say, so who's the biggest asshole in the Napa Valley? And Phil had the best answer to that. He goes, well, I, I can't name just one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm only there three days a week, so. <laughs> 
Well, you guys have done really well with the with the Zooms, right? You're doing a lot of virtual tastings, or at least you were during the pandemic, and it kind of um, you're fairly, um, you know, um, what do you say? active. You're a good guy to be doing those Zooms. I mean, you're interactive, right, with the with your guests that were coming on, and that kind of you guys were pretty successful during the pandemic and and moving some wine when all the restaurants were closed and and no one was no one was selling unless it was dtc it was i mean literally it was the only thing that kept us alive because we were we were basically 80 percent plus in restaurants in the national market and that just went away i mean that business yeah. overnight disappeared and all of a sudden we i said i'm just going to find somebody who's interesting like you guys have for your podcast and uh and it, it, it's gone crazy. And I thought, nobody wants to hear this shit anymore. Everybody's tired of COVID. Everybody's tired of the virtual experience, but they're, but they're not. You know, it's been a whole way of, uh, and in particular, if you have good visuals. And, and our, play, our places, are the mountain vineyards that we inhabit, are, they're such incredible spots visually that when you take people on a journey and say, this is how we're doing the pruning, and then they can see a video of the pruning, uh, it really brings farming, the valley, what we do, different perspectives on it to them. And so it's for us, it's been a godsend. So this affinity is from Coombsville. This is Bob Craig's front yard. I turned the joint into a crack house with a vineyard in front of it. Nice. Uh, so uh, degentrification. <laughs> yes, <important>. degentrification. <laughs> the neighbors are like, can Bob please come right. back? You know, What is this organic? It's messy under yeah. that vineyard. But so this is, it's called affinity. I put the, I put the definition right on the front label, a perfect union of components sharing a special origin because everybody would say, so why do you call it infinity? I'd be like, my God, you know, but it's always all five of the Bordeaux five. So we label it as Cabernet Sauvignon, but six out of 10 vintages, it's legally Cabernet. Uh, sometimes I have to take some Cabernet Franc out and then we're going to have to do something because the vineyard's going to be replanted uh, now, so it's probably going to be how mountain fruit and purchase fruit after 2022 uh, for a number of years. So, or until I can buy another vineyard, as the bank said when we bought Vitor after after the candlestick purchase, they said, "This is another vineyard." I'm like, "I know, right?" <laughs> what's the, what's the average cost of uh, buying a vineyard in Napa these days? Well, per per acre in the mountains, you know, it's all about planted acre. I mean, there was a, a nice little house on our Mount Veter property. Um, and, you know, there, there were two home sites on the Howe Mountain property when we bought that from Duckhorn. Um, but that's all immaterial. It's all about what is, what's in the ECP, what's in the erosion control plan, how much can you plant and how much is planted. And, uh the going rate now, depending on where you are in the mountain, is anywhere from 600000 to a million dollars a planted acre. So it's become, you know, financially in the Napa Valley, people like, oh, my God, the people that are getting in now are, you know, the wine has to be over 200 bucks a bottle just to make just it, to make just a to mortgage make it pencil out. Yeah. And some of my neighbors, Maybe. you know, one of my neighbors who is a friend and famously very wealthy, and uh, we drink a lot of wine together, but they're like... You know, Elton, I've always said it's it's just okay to make money in the in the Napa Valley. And I'm like, well, if I took the entire development cost of our place and it never hit the P&L uh, or the balance sheet, then 
I would be wearing an ascot and have a cocaine habit. You know, <laughs> it was like, you got to be kidding me. You know, uh, if I were starting from scratch with zero debt, uh, you know, people would be calling me Elton Iacocca. Right. So, uh, in any event, what we're profitable, like, knock on wood, but it, but you gotta, you gotta kick it every day. You gotta get the shovel in the ground. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, what is it like competing with people that don't necessarily have to be profitable? Right. I mean, that's a oh, weird a thing, right? Because if you're in business in a, in any traditional business that you're in, if you're competing with people that don't have to make money, then, I mean, you're so fucking far behind the eight ball. So, so I mean. Authenticity. Right. What do you, I mean? Hallelujah. Yeah. What do you we'll shoot We'll put for? that word in with precision, artisanal, oyster shell, and <laughs> right. salinity. Well, and then couple that, okay, couple that with Touché. the fact that people aren't coming to Napa anymore like they used to, to to come up and stock up on, stock their cellar. Now it's, you're chipping away, right? Little by little with younger people that are buying five bottles, six bottles, a case maybe. Um, it's not like the big buyers that it used to be like. It's kind of like a different atmosphere, right? So what are you... What is it that you guys are shooting for at Robert Craig? Is like, what is your, what is your desired demographic of consumer? Well, the the beautiful thing at Robert Craig, I will say, uh, I was very late to social media, and I still don't hardly do anything on it except for Instagram, because it's been such a medium to connect with people and our and our virtual tastings where people get connected through you know. Uh, cyberspace in in some ways and they're they're the culture that we have is appealing where it is authentic and it is warm and I always think Margaret Duckhorn Margaret Duckhorn you know when we when we host people at our place the one thing we constantly get and it's the most difficult thing is finding the people because a lot of people are making great wine so we found the vineyards which are absolutely unique in what they produce and we've found the people to deliver that warmth of an experience in a place that can be very cold. We do a lot yeah. of secret shopping at Robert Craig. And I mean, we went to a vineyard where the tasting fees, the four of us, the tasting fees were $200 a person. Wow. And then, you know, they wow. don't know me from Adam. And we got, wow. we got two glasses of wine with this much in it, you know, uh, each, uh, no white wine, no nothing, no champagne. Like at least you get, at least you get some champagne at Promontory, you know. <laughs> call it lube. Yeah, yeah call, call it lube. <laughs> There's an atmospheric river coming in. Krug lube. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, you know, and then I said, I said, well, can I, you know, we, 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 I, we ended up, they ended up opening because we were, you know, effusive in our praise for the wine. They ended up opening another wine for us. We had three wines. And I, and I said, well, can I, may I see the prices? And there was no price. And, and then <laughs> they, she said, well, we just don't, I mean, we just do not, uh, we don't say the price of the wines, you know? And I thought, I thought, Shall be unnamed. I thought Ashton Kutcher was going to jump out from the bag, like punk <laughs> bitch, you're punk. And it was a weird, I mean, the whole tasting was very weird. You know, you can't go down on the 
on the crush pad because that's the winemaker space and there's nothing going on down there at the time. I'm like, nothing up my sleeves. Yes. Yes. I'm like, okay. okay Can't go okay. to the crush base. Cause that's where we keep the 50 gallon drum of mega purple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think that was going on, but I mean, <laughs> it was obviously farmed very well. Uh, and the wines were, were very nice, but they weren't no Robert Craig. And so I said, all right, I'll take th a three pack. I'll do three bottles of the Cabernet because the whole thing was very strange. And, uh, and then as I'm sitting there, you know, my credit card goes, my watch goes, a $1,575 purchase was made on, you know, and I'm like, I was like, you know, I thought, how bad can it be? It's going to be like two fifty a bottle or something, you know, but it was, you know, 500 uh, a, a bottle for the wine. Yeah. I just thought, you got to be kidding me. So we've been through that. And at Robert Craig, that is not the experience. That's the opposite of the experience. Uh, that I want people to have with the wines. I want them to feel confident that they're drinking some of the best, most rare wine in the world, uh, but at the same time that it's real. Because that's, you know, in the end, that's who I am. Those are the wineries that I like to participate in. Yeah. And that's why I love the mountain wineries of mm -hmm. Napa, because they're still, I have neighbors that make some of the best wine I've ever tried from Napa, and they're a similar price to us, you know, under 120 is so, that $200 tasting fee about the most expensive or do they go above? Oh, they go above. Oh, they go well What do you think? What do you think is the highest? Well, I mean, I think with Promontory, you have to buy a three pack of the wine. So the, you know, if you do the tasting, you got to buy some wine. It's three grand basically. Yeah. So. So. But you get some champagne. You do get <laughs> champagne. I don't know what it, I shouldn't say because, you know. Uh, that's a phenomenal experience, but they, but there are people that have way way higher. I mean, if you want to do anything with food, you know, a thousand dollars is extremely common uh, in the Napa Valley. But there are plenty of places you can go. I think that there's so much emphasis at a certain point put on giving people this seated experience that they have to sign. I, I think, man, I, I don't want all that. Right. You know, personally, I just want to go and like try somebody's wine and say, can you, you know, can I pour, can you pour me this and this and this? And, and just let me, let me check out your, let me check out your jam. Let me, let me see right. what your vibe is at this place and whether or not I, get, I, get I to don't know wanna, you. like, don't make me taste the first wine and say, Jesus, I hate this. Do I now, now what do I have left? Right. Do I have to say, I'll leave now, you know? <laughs> so, so what is for our listeners that are planning trips out? What is the experience at Robert Craig? Like, is there a choice either downtown Napa or going up to the mountain? Is it, is it st structured or, you know, just what's, what, what, what are the, what are the opportunities? So we have our downtown Napa tasting salon, which is one block from a great champagne bar, Be Bubbly on second street. Uh, so it's close to, close to everything, plenty of parking all around there. And that's 35 bucks to come in and check out five wines with not the, as Bob Craig called it, a pop, the piss off pour. Uh, it, you know, where you get, where somebody gets one of those measuring things out and pours you like a quarter ounce of a wine. Uh, but, you, but you come in, it's 35 bucks, then you buy a couple bottles, you get refunded. But if you come out and it's a uh, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, those are the only times we have open for the mountain because our use permit is low. And the affinity tasted a little <laughs> oxidative to me, but it's very nice from Coonsville. Uh, but, but if you get if the, the mountain experience is 125, but if you buy six bottles of wine, 
that's also refunded because that takes a full day for somebody to host. You come up, you get munchies, you're at the summit of the Napa Valley. So uh, they're two great experiences and they're hosted by people that are not going, if you ask them a question, they're not going to go to a three ring binder. They, they are involved in the blending. They know what's going on with the farming. They know what we do. It's all about knowledge at, at our place. And so whether you get Casey or Scott or uh, Carly, who's going, she's going down to New Zealand. I'm going to miss her. She, but you know, she started off as a uh, harvest worker and she turns out she's an incredible winemaker and now I'm letting her go down to New Zealand to, to do her jam there and then come back. And she's so fantastic. She's now in, in, on our direct sales team. But knowledge is required. Right. Cool. Cool. Well, and, and in defense of um, Napa wine prices, um, what you just talked about um, isn't, isn't cheap. I mean, the land, the farming, mm -hmm. the winemaking at the top level, the team of you know knowledgeable experienced people um you know not to like dig into the, the books but 120 dollars napa cabernet you're you're hustling every day to make that work no no doubt and and for us it's because you know uh, frankly bob craig was a terrible marketer of his own wines he was a tremendous guy and a visionary but um you know, when I started, he was making a lot of wine from, you know, he's doing Amador County. He was doing a thousand cases of Sonoma, two different Sonoma Chardonnays. I'm like, dude, you're the mountain cab guy. We're getting, we're getting rid of the Central Coast Syrah and the Amador's in and the Chardonnays, you know, it's like, let's focus on who you are, which is a Cabernet, mountain Cabernet guru. And so it was just about getting the, the marketing right. But at the same time, if we sell most of it direct as we do now, it's profitable. It's good. It's fulfilling. I don't have to be a, you know, uh, the Jerry Sandusky of the wine business. You know, I feel like um, <laughs> that's just a terrible thing to say, but uh, I, I just feel like some of the, some of it that, and you mentioned it, Bart, that it's so driven by ego anymore. Pricing should not be driven by ego. You know, if you're in Sonoma and you're, or in Napa Valley floor, you're paying, 10 to 12 to $13,000 an acre to farm the place. And that's if you have a rose bush on the end of every row and a nice rock wall and the place always looks pretty, you know, the, the invoices from your, from your pop and from Pete Richmond, it's over 22 to 26,000 an acre, you know, road. to farm it. And, and that is because you guys in enterprise are the best. I mean, there's just like the goal when somebody hires you is to make the best one on the planet earth. There's no, you, it's not like, you know, hey, we'll, we'll just get some mold on some bunches. So don't do the spray or, you know, you how, know how do we get, you, say, how do we get five tons an acre from this place? You know, I like, feel it'll be like, what are you talking about? You hire somebody else. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you talking about? But, but the thing about it is, Elton, is you also notice that the fruit that comes into your winery, you're using all of it, right? You're not having to sort it. You're, you know, the, the fruit comes in. There's no waste at that point. Um, there's, been, and there's nothing going into an alternative program because this block didn't Correct. work or that block. I think Correct. that's one of the right. best points. One of the best points that's ever been made on anything I've ever been asked about the business. That throughput is what kills you if you're not right. maximizing your property. Right. Let's do, let's do Veter now. Let's do your pops. Okay. Uh, what your, what that your pops great, by the way. Yeah. yeah, it is delicious. Thank you. I have an affinity for that one. <laughs> that's terrible. 
That's just awful. <laughs> you don't think that's been used before? Never. You? Nobody's ever said that to you before, right? Well, I can't. I, I'm. I'm. I prattled on way too long. I can't tell your guests how much fun we're having because it's a literally a sunshiny, windless, perfect evening out here in the most beautiful town in the entire world, the town of Sonoma, <laughs> California. It really is. I mean, where else are you going to go? I've I spent the night up at the Swiss Hotel at Hank's place and one of those upper rooms and. And, Did you see the ghosts? Know, I had Bunchu and the gang. I've seen some ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if it was yeah. because of the, the mixture of mushrooms and, and <laughs> you know, marijuana and, and Bunchu Chardonnay that I was having. That's never happened what in Sonoma before. What are the hotel rooms like at the Swiss? Well, I've always stayed in the I've always stayed in the upstairs. But if you get one of those upstairs rooms and the roosters aren't on the prowl, you know, when people would always come and drop. I love the. I used to love the Sonoma Index Tribune where it was like roosters in or roosters out right. because whoever was dropping the chickens the off. Chickens the, the, the chickens of the plaza. The chickens haven't been around much. Oh, my God. Yeah. If the chickens are down there and you just it's starting at five o'clock in the summertime, it's like. <laughs> I did want to say, Elton, we are slightly over an hour. Okay. Just in case you were. We, we, we can only go to Howl Mountain. We're going to we're going to polish no, this baby no, up. No, so, no, no, no. This is, that was not a that was a comment to your comment. So now we're doing, to me, the affinity tasted a little oxidative. And I will tell you that uh, that wine is usually tighter. The Vita is perfect. Um, but the, the, so this is the last year that we were able to use Pimray, P-Y-M-R-A-E, the two middle names of Robin Williams' firstborn children. Uh, but this is Robin Williams' vineyard that we had a handshake contract Bob Craig oversaw the planting of the vineyard with Brian Ness, and we had a handshake contract on this for from the 93 vintage. Uh, I think Bob planted it in an 89. So we did it from 93 to 2015. And then when Robin died, uh, it was much less exciting uh, having that contract with his widow's attorneys uh, than it was with, with, with Robin. But the Tesserones from Chateau Ponte Canet in Poyac bought the place, and they make wonderful wine. But they've never received a higher score from Galoni on their wine than we do next door uh, because Brian decided he wanted to sell the joint next door, which was on the same original erosion control plan. And I call it Amentet Vineyard because uh, our Vita program, she's the Egyptian goddess of rebirth, was reborn uh, with Amentet. So it's immediately next door, same soil, a very similar vineyard. Your pop calls it, Phil calls it the hanging garden of Napa Valley because it sits over a ledge right up above Boz Skaggs' place. I love Boz's music until he was my downstairs neighbor. And, uh, and but, you know, all in all. Is that Newfoundland? That's, yeah. who, that's who makes those wines. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But but uh, good guys, you know. Uh, uh, Grenache uh, from Napa. John, yeah, it's but he has that wine is fantastic, you know, from his property next door. But ours is Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc. And uh, this is the last vintage of of Pimray Forest, but incredibly similar. I mean, you you literally cannot distinguish uh, the two properties. So theirs is, I want to say, a 17 acre vineyard and ours is seven acres under vine and just a magnificent expression. It's got that savage Mount Veter. I always think of. of Affinity is uh, Margot and as the, you know, that really, that really pretty elegance, but also that firm backbone, that acid that's, that's Coombsville. 
And then Viter is Saint-Julien. Reminds me of uh, like a Leoville Las Cas or a Becheville with that huge fruit pop and that power in the center. Yeah. And then uh, Howl Mountain is Santa Steph, man. That's our Montrose or Codesternel. Uh, it's all about the structure. I mean, this is all about, it just hangs there and hangs there. Oh, the finishing. Just yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's so Mount Viter. That just like, there's a, there's a rusticness on right. the finish for me that I just like, you know. Yeah, my Thomas has that, um, you know, maybe sort of, in, you know, personifies that more than anything. But this has that um, that reference to it for sure. To me, your uh, to me, your pops wine that we're got from our place for the first time. Twenty nineteen, he affected twenty twenty one. You know, twenty twenty got burned out. The twenty twenty one, there's a little more polish uh, behind the wines and not as much of pyrazine uh, because. The Viter up to this point was farmed literally with a guy in a truck with a dog. Right. Uh, but it's just such a tremendous property up there. Yeah. So let's go to Howl Mountain. That's delicious. But what I love is the acidity. You know, these pHs are in the high three sixes, low three sevens. It's pure Bordeaux. So these wines aren't heavy. And, and despite <coughs> the fact they see, you know, 80% new French oak, the oak is all super tight grained. You don't, it's not like an oak bomb. No, I would have never guessed. No, 80%. I would have, would have never guessed it. It's so well integrated. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's, I think that's, you know, going back to us making fun of Napa, you know, we taste, we don't taste a lot. And what we taste sometimes is just the over the top. Um, and this, these are balanced and, you know, Elton, Crafted. I just got a text from somebody in St. Louis, and evidently, <laughs> hey, Roger. your wines are uh, widely distributed and in most restaurants. So, St. Louis is one of my soul food towns. That is, I, I know so many people from there, from Glenn Barget at Annie Guns and John and the and the whole crew there. It's one of the great wine restaurants in the United States. To the crossing to the St. Louis wine merchant. I mean, there's, uh, you know, our Clayton wine merchant uh, or the wine merchant of St. Louis, I should say, get their name right. But that was where I first discovered, you know, Becky Wasserman's wines and, and so many of the, I used to go up from Indianapolis and they had retailers there that were just spectacular. When, so love to St. Louis. you Lou. live in Indy? So I was in Indianapolis from, uh, I graduated Indiana University in 89 okay. and worked for a year in Southern Indiana. And then the uh, vice president of wine sales came to me and said, Elton, we'd really like to come to Indianapolis. And I was like, I was living on a beautiful place on the lake and water skiing with the down there. And I said, you know, I, I'll, I'll think about it. And he goes, I'm really not asking. So <laughs> <laughs> I was in Indianapolis for National Wine and Spirits from, I want to say, uh, 90 to 96 uh, or 97. I was there 76 through 81 and uh, had John play at my 30th birthday at the Vogue Theater. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? No. Right before. How do you hold this back from me all this time, John? Uh, right before uh, I Need a Lover came out. So he, wa he wasn't well known. John yeah. Right? Yeah. So it was interesting. Really fun. <laughs> we had a great time. Maybe. Oh, my always. God. The Vogue is, that was one of the greatest concert places. And when, when I lived in Indianapolis, we lived about three blocks from the Vogue when I first moved oh, up. Oh, you were in, uh, the, along the canal. Yeah, well, we were in, we were on Park Street, I believe, which was just south of the Vogue and like a couple, a couple blocks, one block in from, uh, what is the name of that street? Not Broadway, um, 
Oh my college, God, College College Avenue. Yeah, we were we were one one block west of College Avenue. I think it was called Park, and so it was a three block walk. And I saw so <laughs> yeah, many tremendous yeah, yeah. bands. Lots. And the the owner of the Vogue loved wine, so I would I would break out a case of wine, and for the next three shows, it was like a case for three shows. Whether it was Ben Harper or Johnny Cash or whomever, we just walk over there. I go to the back door, and they had those tables up on the side yeah. on the wings. And I got like the second table. I didn't get the first table because that was the owner's table. But I can hardly go see music anymore because it was such a. I felt like I was Tony Soprano, going to those, <laughs> going out to those that concert. It was great. We used to go to the Union Pub and the Garage for Pork Tenderloin. Oh my God! I didn't realize. I was sitting with the brother in arms here. <laughs> so now we're on to 15 Hal. So we've done three 15s. The affinity to me yeah. was not showing perfectly, but the Vita was showing perfectly. And this smells yeah. great. I guess, you know, tasting these 2015s also just oh man reaffirms the reason why there's Whoa. Cabernet has grown in Napa, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean... These wines are so fresh and young and vibrant. Um, very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Does anyone have the routine in another glass? I do. Right here. Go back to it. Yeah, I, I think... All right, enough about Napa Cabernet. How's <laughs> no. this old... How's this old Syrah from France? <laughs> These fucking guys are immediately coming back on me. <laughs> smells like tiramisu. Oh, man. That's why I like tiramisu. Okay. Super oh, coffee. Okay, it's getting yeah. better. Well, um, the how mountain our cab is lovely. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But it is to me these mountain cabs. What what has always been the hallmark of Craig is the freshness of the fruit in the wines. And so uh, I am going to stop by and drop off a bottle of Affinity Fifteen for you guys to enjoy here because that wine was a little bit of a leaker on the cork, and to me it tastes a little oxidative. So it was the other uh, David Ramey no-no from traditional cork. But Affinity, to me, of the 15s, shows better in usually than the Howl and the Veter, which are more expensive because of that, that acid from that property. But this wine, so this is, again, the very top of, of Napa Valley, Howl Mountain. You have above the fog means that, you know, it's 12 degrees cooler during the average daytime temperature. And then you get this nighttime where in particular in the fall, uh, it is, you get this non-photosynthetic lignification, the browning of the stems and the seeds. And so the, the grapes aren't producing any more sugar, so there's no more alcohols. And you have these crazy tannin counts yeah. because of the fact that the wines have this massive tannin, but the tannins get ripe and integrated and round. So you get these very right. long-lived wines with that are have this freshness and elegance to them despite their size and that's what makes Hell Mountain to me it's my favorite wine because it's our Saint de Caillou it's it's our blood of the stones hey, these are wines to put down this one in particular For sure. what do you think I mean it's tasting great but you're right the you're definitely getting more of that tannin structure in this wine so oh yeah the thing that strikes me about it is for as tannic and big big bold wine as it is um it's not the like classic black currant cassis cabernet. It's like red currant. It's much brighter, you know, red fruit colors, you know, high toned, um, which for me, you know, makes those 
tannins totally manageable. Well, I have to say 15, I brought this for a reason is because, I mean, it was a very difficult vintage to extract. It was like 2021 20, uh, in some ways and that it was a very light, the vintage was Tiny like little half, berries half the and, yield yeah. and the color would not come out until you really beat it up, you know? And so uh, for us, um, I think we're, we're very careful on the, on the, you know, tannin management. And so we didn't, we didn't crank these wines you know, to that dark side, like in the future from here, the farming's better, the winery equipment's better, everything's better. But I love these wines because they're so classic in terms of displaying the site. I mean, how yeah. different do these oh, three wines taste for yeah. Cabernet, you know? Yeah. And that's one thing that Galoni said about a perennial Napa, you know, love child that I just love Galoni for this is he said, he said, you know, these are all very well-made wines, but I couldn't tell one from the other. And for the life of me, I don't know why somebody would make a wine like this. It's like, holy shit. You know, you're, 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 you're cranking on the perennial darling there. But I, 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 that's one thing. He's a prickly pear, but you have to love the man for just, you know, not yeah. saying it's the emperor's new clothes uh, right. every time in the review. So this is my story, you guys. I hope it's, I hope it's, kind of torn the curtain a little bit on some things going on in Napa Valley, and that we'll. I mean, it's been so great meeting you all and sitting down on this perfect afternoon, and that we'll be able to get to this uh, co roti now and just yeah. gargle that thing down sounds, like it's nothing. Sounds like, I mean, it looks sounds like, like a plan. A, it looks like a piece of meat to a Rottweiler after two days on the diet. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are just looking at it. <laughs> I was going to say nice things about your wine, but forget it. <laughs> And I, remember, I remember, I think I, I told Elton that, that the last time I had done a tasting at Robert Craig was like 2003, I think. And I feel like we almost tasted in like a like a mobile home or an RV. There was no tasting room. I think I was with the Four Seasons San Francisco at the time. And we were we were coming to Napa and doing the baller um, tastings. We were going to all the, the big players. Then we stopped at Robert Craig. And, and but it's one of those tastings that I always remember because I remember really loving the wines because that was all you thought about when we were in the tasting that day was was the quality of the wine and it, now i get to come back because you didn't have any distractions there was no distractions it was like being at corbin cameron after the fire i mean you were right. sitting on top of a, a trailer a bald mountain um, staring yeah. at a burned out home drinking awesome or love right um but you know, all these wines are shown great and the bar to your point i think about drinking cabs that i think sometimes we drink over the top shit um that happens in Sonoma too. Like I've sure. had some of those Sonoma cabs that are just like right, keeping up with the, the trying to keep up with the Joneses. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, my my favorite thing about especially the last two wines is just truly how different they are. Right. And I think there's a lot of um, expected tools, and especially the Napa winemakers, you know, toolbox um, things that you're supposed to do or you think you're supposed to do that would have um, driven those differences away and it would have created that you know homogeneity that uh, that Galoni was lamenting um so what i'm truly you know worth going to the to the downtown tasting room at the very least and sit down and have a taste you know a real taste of the two of them next to each other uh, i mean that's a 
a real experience that you can get in Napa without having to pay a thousand dollars and caviar and Krug and the whole deal. Um, you know, it's real. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much. I, I mean, to me, the, the winemakers are graded on two things. And, it, and again, it's does this wine show the vineyard and will it age well? Yeah. Uh, because other than that, what, you know, to me, to my mind, what are we doing? I, I mean, I yeah. And I think the another takeaway here is these wines are all distinctive in their own. Um, there's not the um, thumbprint of the winemaker on them. It's all about the handprint of the vineyard. Um, How much of that Grenache you got? <laughs> right? what do you, it's small. Alan, what do you guys do for traditional tasting? Like if people went there tomorrow and sat down, are they drinking the Chardonnay and then the Syrah Grenache and then the Zin and then you open up the cabs or are you guys no, we focus we, on we, cab? We focus on cab and we usually have a bon we usually have a bonus wine, whatever KC or Carly or Kelly feel like, you know, what whatever they whatever they're feeling is the extra wine, but we generally do like a Chardonnay. Um, we'll, we'll do a Mount Veter, Howe Mountain, Spring Mountain usually are the three wines. So it's, a, it's great. I mean, people taste affinity all the time everywhere. We don't need to show people affinity all, despite the fact it's one of the, to me, one of the great Cabernets produced in the Napa Valley. What we are is a mountain Cabernet house. So we like people to have mountain Cabernets. And then at the end, if somebody is, it's like anywhere else. You know, if somebody's very interested and they're into the wines, if they're a douche, you know, they don't get a pour a Zinfandel or a pour a Cote de Craig or whatever. It's like, you know what? Thank you very much. We'll see Your you credit again. card, please, sir. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like that. Of course, everybody, you know, uh, but some people are not there for the wine. If, if they're if they're just like, we're just doing Napa Valley because Napa Valley is Napa Valley. Uh, I just love the fact that it already said Dwayne Wade was in Sonoma at somebody's vineyard and said, I just want the Napa experience. I mean, I freaking laughed so hard when I heard that. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, you just kick a man in the head, you know, uh, while you're standing in his vineyard. But uh, well, I, I'm waiting for the time when someone's sitting at the top of your place going, God, the Sonoma experience is where it's at. Yeah, it, it could it could happen. I tell you. Um Hashtag Sonoma life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sonoma life. Hashtag Sonoma Grenache. Oh, well, I, I went to grab my wine from uh, Literai, and I was concerned about, you know, is this is this posh enough for people? And I went to grab my allocation because I love Ted Lemon's wine. I don't know if you guys are, yeah. you know, do oh, Literai yeah. or not, but his wines are amazing. And, and you know, there's you go to the pickup party. It started at 10, and I was there like at 10, 15. And they had like, <clears throat> they had like, barely any any water left over in the in the cold garage and they were like these biscuits like you get served on an airplane and uh you just went around to you know you got the you got the glass and you went to a couple stations i was like this is fantastic man we need to we need to downgrade this shit we need to uh, we need to go back to the to the trailer with the with the fluorescent light for a couple you couple know, barrels on a plank of wood and right. you know call it a yeah, tasting room this exactly. is exactly <laughs> i mean i but i thought there is something to that you know just having an unfiltered experience you know i think the first place we ever tasted wine as tourists way back when like 87 was uh, down at sonoma creek which became larson mm. and they would take you out in the barn and they had the board across two barrels and you'd, you'd just taste but it was the first place we ran into and we said okay let's try it you know we didn't know what the hell we were doing 87 at all so it was fun it was you know yeah. you take away the you know the the lined 
a street uh, pulling up the lane with, uh, you know, with olive trees and the big house and everything else. It's, it's down to the wine and the winemaker, you know, and, and the place. That's, that's what I'm really looking for. Yeah, we actually had a couple guests in here last week that were talking about their first visit to Lenny Coloto and how they they showed up down there and they said the winemaker skated down on his skateboard and threw a two by four across a couple barrels. And then they said, we went back three or four years later and it was a, who are you? Do you have an appointment? Right. Um, <laughs> it was a very different experience. Can we see your American Express report, please? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you pass the uh, coat roti. Ah, there you go. <laughs> oh, you fuckers! <laughs> just, just absolute, absolutely cranking it. Well, no, uh, um, you know well, what? You have you, to. Have to. Um, All right, you guys. Let's wrap it up with the little. Uh, Elton, thank you very much. Actually, these wines are yeah, fucking talk shit, but they're fantastic. Yeah, I know, yeah. and that's why we talk shit. Yeah. A lot of times. <laughs> We're dif- distracting ourselves. Um, I'm impervious. Very on brand, though. Yeah. I sell wine to uh, to Pakistani retailers in New Jersey. So you guys can so say whatever we, you want. We were, we were Your gentle. wine is terrible. Right. Thank you. Right. But you have T-shirts for me. That's right. What sort of T-shirts but do you I, have? Can I get an extra bottle on the uh, six? Right. My daughter's coming out there. Do you have a place for her to stay? Show me a picture. I don't want to talk to the salesman. I want to talk to this guy. He can set me up. Can I stay in the guest house? All right, you guys. What do you want to push out there before we set off till next week? Mag dinner. Mag dinner. So we're heading out to Eco Farm next week. So are, are we doing a podcast? Next well, we're week? gonna we're gonna record something in at the DTC. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> just means a lot of miles on my car, but I don't care. What do Put I care? On I'll drive. I'm getting paid to drive. Who yeah. cares? Oh yeah, no, um, you'll drive. Okay. <laughs> okay, that sounds fair. Um, do we have any idea who we're going okay, to so, on the podcast? No, no. By the time MJ MJ yeah. will be there, he'll hang out. Okay. Yeah. So by the time this hits, you'll have sent out an email. You'll have sent out an email, Sam, for your Magnum party at the Fairmont. Yes. Magnum dinner. Magnum dinner. Ten seats. Ten seats. Nine. Nine seats left. Laura bought one. Yeah. I'm thinking it's probably going to be sold out by Friday. We haven't told anyone yet. So yeah. yeah. But she happened to be here when we were planning it. So nine seats. Okay. Uh, Nine seats. I I think my dad wants to go too. So seven seats. Eight seats. Eight. Seven seats. Um... All Audutet because this is Audutet month. So uh, Rose birthday is coming up. Rossi and Oakville. Eighteen and nineteen. Two different vintages on the Grenaches. Yep. Okay. Uh, and a crazy menu that Jared Reeves. Uh, crazy menu executive chef of that. the he's, hotel. Well, he's thrown some things our way, and you know it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you have an artist, when you have Stanley Mass doing your label, do you like art direct? No, you just right. take whatever he gives you and go. I know okay. he's going to use the olive oil. I know okay. he's doing something with herbs to Provence. I know he's doing something with duck hearts. Okay, that's so it's a uh, the the vegetarians and the vegans maybe uh, hold off on this one. This is not your dinner. This is not going to be your no. dinner. <laughs> maybe we'll do one in, for Earth Day uh, right. with with some vegetables. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, really. Um, and uh, two hundred dollars a person, one seventy five for Phil sent me members. Um, it's on the website listed right now. Uh, if so, if there's seats left, go buy one. If you're a member and you get to that thing on the website, call us and we'll run it uh, with the discount for you on our side. Um, and 
act fast because it's going. Uh, and then that goes basically. We're celebrating Adutet all month. Um, we have Adutet on the menu for the first time ever in the tasting house right now. Uh, the nineteenth, I believe. Two of the nineteenth, both um, Rossi, and we're doing them side by side for people. So. Yeah, the way they the way they should be. Yep. Right. Um, so, um, and maybe we're gonna do a little Adutet release this month too. So yeah. if you're not on the email list, big sure you're on the email list. Okay. Bart Hansen, what's going on with Dan Sellers right now? Uh, looking forward to bottling in March, working on final blends, little tinkering here and there. Um, but that's about it, you know, selling wine. We actually opened up your 16 Chenin Blanc, me, Jasmine, uh, Dr. Lowenberg. Dr. Dave. And 16. Paul. Yep. The Oprah other day, Oprah went um, favorite wine. it was a rainy day. We were sitting inside eating charcuterie and cheese, opened up the wine and we all were digging it. They yeah. blinded me on it yeah. and I figured it was white burgundy. Right. That's pretty cool, right? Chenin Blanc. Chenin Blanc. Imagine Chenin Blanc. that. I, I didn't even know you made Chenin Blanc. I, I know. I know. Isn't that something? <laughs> Bart makes Chenin Blanc? Yeah. Not a lot knew? of it. <laughs> Is it Clarksburg? Uh, that was Mendocino County. Yeah. Um, uh, but You know, Oprah recommended his <laughs> okay, that's, you know, yeah, right by way of brian casey every thanksgiving right oprah me and oprah clears the boulders out of her living room and opens a bottle of chen and blanc <laughs> <My man>. <laughs> wow <laughs> of all the things that you guys have said today on this show me talking about a mudslide in oprah winfrey's montecito home is the, is the one that gets the groan all right all right i see <laughs> Oh, gotta love that Napa Valley cap. <laughs> Elton. Oh, wait. I got one uh -oh. more question. Uh oh. Uh oh. If you've made it this far, no, we'll you get, get 1% off your bottle of affinity yeah, we'll when you mention Elton sent me. This is one more Elton question. <sighs> I'm so unprepared. Yeah. If, if, oh, you say, so if you say the word, the winemakers podcast, if you can break Let's that phrase, if you can break that phrase out, excuse me. <laughs> Well, I've been I've been enjoying this coat rotee. <laughs> yes. But if you can break that phrase out, the winemakers podcast, there is no charge for you at the taste room at Robert Craig. There wow. you go. There you All go. All right. Till infinity. For uh, affinity. Till that's affinity. Right. It's your that's your code word. I give you the next three months. All right, there you go. Okay. Last question. Have you ever ridden a pachyderm in the service of wine? <laughs> I have indeed. Wait a minute, let me get in closer. Have Wait, you ever ridden ever a, pachyderm a pachyderm in the service of wine? I have indeed. Big Susie. And she was very nervous with all the goings on, despite the fact that she was a uh, trained animal. Now, if my wife saw me on top of an elephant, she'd beat me to death and say that the thing needed to be, you know, uh, treated better. Uh, you know, they've obviously. But. Uh, that was quite an entrance as my introduction to Gunlock Bunchu in national sales. Wow. We'll just leave it at that. That's right. We'll I played sympathy for the devil on my guitar as I was, as I was rolling in, man. <laughs> I mean, the wine business is, the wine business has really gone downhill. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I love you guys. Thanks for the opportunity to come out here and have a little wine and, and keep Napa Valley relevant in this uh in this changing world of young men and women in the business yeah. now thanks alan this has been great well thanks for keeping making relevant wines from napa valley yeah. in this world yeah. Yeah. hallelujah yeah.